Hello, hello, hello. You're listening to This QFOC Life, a podcast that looks at the world through the lens of a queer person of color. And baby, do we have a lot to talk about as we navigate through our haze of life on this side of Election Day. The blue wave we were hoping for turned out to be kind of a puddle, y'all. But on the bright side, more history was made as a growing number of LGBTQ plus folks are being elected into government offices. We'll talk more about the presidential race, our history-making wins, why elections matter, and of course, throw plenty of shade along the way. As always, today we are joined by the superest of superdelegates. Please welcome to the podcast. Hi, everybody. My name is Ashley. My pronouns are she, her, Kamala's white pantsuit, and you can find me on all of the socials at AshleyLaray29. Hello, everyone. I am the ghost of Hillary Clinton's failure and her campaign, the <laughs> Boo Wave. My name is Zachary Aris. You can find me online at Zachary Aris and um, Boo. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everybody. My name is Jonathan, a.k.a. Blasian FMA, he, him, his. And I am the dentures of Joe Biden. So there you go. The ones that fell out during the debates. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And my name is Carlos Rios. You can catch me online at Trey Fabulo. My pronouns are he, she, they, hers is. And Representative Maxime Waters once again swiftly reelected. Thank you. And this is This Cupa Life. As of the recording of this episode, Joe Biden has been projected as the president-elect of the United States after an uncomfortably close election. Voters came out in big numbers this year, whether in person on Election Day, early voting, and because we are still in a pandemic, record numbers by mail. So, QPAC fam, let's talk about voting. How how do we participate in this year's election? Uh, Ashley, why don't you start? We took no chances in this household. We registered early. We filled out our ballots early. We walked thine selves to the ballot box and dropped it in the box ourselves early because we knew weeks ago that our postal service was going to be inundated and overwhelmed. And I didn't want to leave Mm. a damn thing to chance. Mm, What about mm, you, Carlos? mm. Well, I have two really fun experiences when it comes to voting. No, I did not vote twice. Thank you for those Hmm. uh, election truthers out there. Um, But I did vote in person early. Um, I was the first day of early voting here in New York City. It was about two weeks, maybe a week and a half before election day, I had to wait in line for four hours uh, because Mm. there are fewer polling sites that are open for early voting versus regular day of voting. And so a lot of people wanted to take advantage of that, especially since it was a Saturday and the Mm -hmm. first day. So I was in line for four hours, but I knew the line was going to be long. So I brought snacks and drinks with me and my Nintendo and my iPad. And so like I was entertained, even though I was tired of standing. So that went really well. And then on election day itself, I actually signed up about two or three months ago to be an election day worker. So I had the great honor and privilege of being able to serve the voters uh, right here in New York City. And that was a very long day. And it was actually relatively quiet because I suppose or I suspect that most people that wanted to vote 
at least in New York City, voted ahead of time, either by mail or early voting. And so election day, we if we saw a thousand people vote that day and it, the polls are open from like 6 a.m. to 9 p.m., that wasn't a lot of people for a lot of time. So mm. that well, was me, Jonathan. Carlos, oh, wait. Oh, Carlos, I did have a question. Um, and we would be remiss not to mention it. Like, given your past experience of working polls, did oh. you find that Here we go. working the polls this year uh, was any different or easier? Uh, it was Tell definitely us. easier, less slippery uh, <laughs> than advertised. She, so we appreciate that. Thank she didn't you get the for burns that. on the skin as much. Thank you she for that clarifying question. Yeah, did you get tips? I, I did get a couple tips in hey. my thong, so it was wonderful. <laughs> Democratic collusion. <laughs> Thank you. She was Kalusha. Uh, Jonathan. <laughs> oh, no, not this. No, um, for me, you know... Um, as a first-time voter, I was very happy. I, I, look, I just said that to get the reaction. I am not. I was like, you wait. as old and as I will. And you're telling me you were, just look, I was like, this trick, I, bitch. I with, can't. Look, people were for, do not shame first-time voters, even if they're That's older. That's right. Congratulations. Thank congratulations you to you for participating in record yeah. numbers on this all sides. Girl, this isn't, this isn't waking up when you're 40 and realizing, you know what, I should really read The Color Purple, even though it came out 40 years ago. This isn't that. This is, you At 18, you should have been voting. And if you're just now doing it, hmm. What but not first time voting. <laughs> oh, oh, I will Thank be. You. The anyway, it, this was not my first this time voting. I was just trying to say time. that. Okay. My first time was 2008, though, and mm-hmm. I was after about 20 something years old. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, that's a whole other discussion. Anyway, you know, for me, that Saturday was early voting, and I went out. And the line stretched around all four corners of the block, including the two long sides of the block. And I said, you know what? We have a whole week. (laughs) So let me come back on another day. (laughs) Smart. Not today. And so then I went back on that Monday because I figured people would be at work. But then I was like, but everybody's working from home. So once again, the line was all four sides of the block. I went like the Thursday before Election Day. And it was moving very quickly. It was only two sides. I think most of the people had already done it, like Carlos said. Um, and I enjoyed the experience. It was very nice. It was a very happy and, um, you know, folks were just there voting. They knew where to guide people. And then there was this one man. I think he was like 40 or 50 years old, maybe a first time voter, because he was in there asking me how to vote in my little private booth next to me. And what? I was like, wait. Oh, no, man. <laughs> I need you. Like, not, not like who to vote for, but like. Like how to how fill out the bubbles, bubbles? and like like yeah. the, you know how there are columns and he's like well how many mm-hmm. do we choose even yeah. though it's written right there I was like well this one you know you can like you can choose this this or this I could have been like up on you he was, he, that, he was probably was trying a, to election fraud they're probably oh. trying to be like he told me to vote for Kamala uh, Harris and by the election I, I the made camera. sure not to say that I was like here's where you vote for president. Oh. And then here's where you vote for Supreme Court or whatever. And yep. that, there you go. I didn't tell them who to vote for. That's, so, yeah, I got a, good. in New York. We got these little band, armbands and or wristbands and a sticker and a pen. Yeah. Uh, which that was a whole controversy. But yeah. So that's my Sweat. experience. What about you, Zach? Well, uh, this year was a lot different from 2016 when I voted. Like on 2016, I flew all the way back to Michigan because I couldn't get an absentee ballot in time. Um, landed, ran to the school, cast my vote for um, Hillary Clinton. 
And, um, and also, I did vote for RuPaul for Supreme Imagine Court, Michigan. doing all that just to vote for RuPaul. Oh, <laughs> oh, RuPaul for president? No, could you imagine? No, I, I wouldn't throw away my vote in a swing state. A like nation that. full of fracking. <laughs> I mean, we basically got RuPaul in... Yes, we're doing the now. same thing. <laughs> I'm so um, glad we have a recording of this that we can release later. <laughs> but but this year, you know, yeah, I just voted by absentee ballot. Um, obviously, it was really hectic just because of work, of, like, doing all this election coverage. But... Um, yeah, absentee and mail-in, it was the way to go. Did you, Zachary, did you absentee in New York or did you absentee in Michigan? I am still registered in Michigan. Yes, the, the, work. Thank you. <laughs> I I was, so before anyone claims that I am misrepresenting, like, because I'm a, a resident of New York, the thing is, is that, like, I'm here in part because, like, I started doing my MFA here. I wasn't sure if I was going to stay. And this year I was going to change it to New York because I do want to, I wanted to vote for Congressman, former Congressman Max Rose. But when I was going to change my registration and my license to New York, my birthday was right at the beginning of COVID and they shut down the Secretary of State and the DOJ or whatever. Or the the thing where you get the the DMV the DMV the DMV going to the Department of Justice the Department of Justice I want to go straight to the answer girl as as a Karen I will always speak to the manager Supreme Court that's the resident Karen of this podcast so anyway um I it it got down to the wire and I was just like by the time I was able to get a new license I it was like. July and I was like I don't want to test it I just don't like one more time Michigan here we go and so I'm really thankful to also say that my congresswoman Rashida Tlaib was easily oh easily reelected a slam dunk Mm. progressives love that we love that. And we love that there are so many people that participated in the election this year. Um, even with those history shattering numbers, the results are very interestingly show that on a political level in this country, we are deeply divided. Um, Biden ends up winning. Um, and right now they're still counting the final, final votes, but we're very close. Um, and it looks like he's up about 5 million votes over tangerine tyrant um and that's wonderful and then if you look at the percentages biden's only in a percentage lead of about three percent and going into this i think a lot of people especially a lot of people on the left uh, myself included were either predicting or hoping for a blue wave um, which was something that we talked about in 2018. And we we celebrated in 2018 when we had a large blue wave, um, including a lot of LGBT people who were voted into office. Um, but it it wasn't that way necessarily writ large. The the in Congress, we've got the House of Representatives that actually the Democrats lost some seats and the Republicans picked up some seats. Not a lot, but still um, troubling. And then in the Senate, where we were hoping to get rid of people like Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell, they secured their seats easily. And now we are we are down to a pretty even split in the Senate. And with the Georgia runoff election coming up in January, those are two open Senate seats that could dictate not could they will be dictating the balance of power in the Senate. Um, so it's a much slimmer. So my question is, after thinking about all that, um, what do we think happened here? Jonathan, do you have any ideas on t- why 
we might not see that democratic turnout the way we thought it would? Well, that's it's interesting you ask it that way, because I think we did see the turnout. But this is like Dragon Ball Z. You know, you it's you always have the big bad guy and then you get the spirit bomb. That's like the extent of your power. And then in the next season, it's it's the most strongest person in the universe, Frieza, and then you get Super Saiyan. Then after and you think that's the height of power. So it's like we had record numbers on all sides mm-hmm. and er- everybody showed well not everybody but more people showed up you mentioned uh lindsey graham his opponent um as well as mitch mcconnell's i donated to both of their campaigns and Same. so did so many other people who are not even have anything to do with that race or that state mm-hmm. a lot of us donated money and that was record numbers and then you know the empire struck back and they were like, Lindsey Graham got on Fox News and was begging everybody uh, like that crackhead that comes around trying to see their daughter Ooh. when they don't have the custody. Look, I've been watching a lot of political TV shows, and one of them was Tyler Perry's The Oval, which just oh, really why? isn't even about the White House. It. Yeah. It's about like the drama around the people that work at the White House. So mm-hmm. like that that describes my comment there about the crackhead not being able mm-hmm. to see the daughter. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think that with the high stakes more people turned out and it's still not 100% voter turnout, but I don't think that this is anything to shake a stick at. Mm. Mm. And so it's going to be close. Like any, any huge battle of two big wits, it's going to be close. Yeah. Yeah. And can I just add to that? It was interesting the way that you framed the question and the way that Jonathan answered it. But if we look at it from the converse, I think this is the first time in history that white people ever felt this close to losing what they feel is their place mm-hmm. in the social mm-hmm. order. That's so and true. And so what you saw was them voting was their fear. They right. saw the president, uh, soon to be former president, as a representation of a promise of their continuation of their place in the world. And they had never been this close to losing that. And so while we were all hoping that the country would vote for humanity, what we saw was almost half of the country said, fuck humanity. I want my place to remain where I think it rightfully should be, Mm. which is first in, you know, the world order of things. And so they came out to keep their place. So that's why the, the blue wave, was a little bit diminished because it was fuck humanity. I, I need to stay at the top. And the way I do that is with the man who's there right now. So Ashley, in terms of fear, where were these white people? Uh, were they like, oh, the Titanic hit an iceberg. We don't really know what this means mm-hmm. to, to, oh shit, the back of the ship is now pointed straight up in the air. What the fuck are we about to do? Say your last rites. I, I, I think it's a combination of both. I think they... What surprised people uh, and why they thought there was going to be a blue wave, but there wasn't, is we knew, not to generalize, but like we are, middle of the country is probably going to vote a certain way. But what we weren't expecting was the people who live two blocks down the street from me, who I say hi to all the time and who I assume are going to vote the way that I do, are secretly going to vote for Trump. And so they were Mm, hidden. They were there at the top of the ship or whatever you said, but they were 
also standing right next to us in line talking about, hey, girl, and then click the bubble, check the bubble for Trump. Mm. But, but, but anyway, anyway yeah. all this wave, blue waves, red waves, whatnot, has got me thirsty. So why don't we take a quick break to moisturize Thank you. and hydrate? feeling like an overwhelming victory, there were some bright spots coming out of election day. One thing that this election taught us was that votes matter and people, especially black, indigenous and Latinx folks, organized and mobilized as key voters in states like Arizona and Georgia, both of which turned blue in this election. A special shout out to the iconic Stacey Abrams, in particular, who was instrumental in Georgia. Now, in addition to those wins, the LGBTQ plus community made even more strides as folks from all parts of our community have won both local and national offices. At least 10 openly queer candidates have won their races for U.S. Congress, and among them are New York's very own Mondaire Jones and Richie Torres, who are the first black openly gay candidates to serve in Congress. Also, Richie Torres makes history as the first Afro-Latinx openly gay person elected to Congress. Big shout out to New York. Shout out to the Bronx, honey. They are getting it done. We love it. We love to see it. I think I saw an article that he um, was interviewed for and he was like, you know, it's so interesting that the first black openly gay person going to Congress is is coming from the South Bronx and not coming from Mm. Chelsea or Hell's Kitchen. I was like, ooh. Shots fired. Mm. And now national races weren't the only wins for the queer community, though. Vermont's Taylor Small became the first openly transgender person to serve in the state's General Assembly. Stephanie Byers, who was Kansas's first elected trans official, is also the first trans person of color to be elected to a state legislature in the United States. Oklahoma elected Maury Turner, the first non-binary and Muslim legislator in the country, to its state House of Representatives, and Sarah McBride of Delaware was elected as the first ever transgender state senator in U.S. history, which will make her the country's highest ranking transgender official. All right. Mm. We love to see it. It It is amazing to see that more and more visible LGBTQ people are being involved in politics, especially when a number of these folks also have intersectional identities as people of color. My fellow queer Americans, why do you think that we've been gaining more ground here? What does this mean to you? I mean, I think for me, what it's what it's demonstrating is that you know, we talked in the last segment, <clears throat> excuse me, we talked in the last segment about white voters, a lot of them voting out of their fear. And I think actually this is what they're afraid of. They're afraid of the country that is growingly becoming brown and queer and non-Christian and, you know, immigrant and all of these things. Or maybe things. even just the country that's always been there. Right. right. It's it's always it's always been there. It's just like people are actually showing up and showing out and, and coming into their own and their power. And the truth is the demographics of the country are, are, are shifting and will continue, continue to shift. So I think that this is people being inspired. I think it's people 
uh, you know, I don't, we haven't seen this many number of trans elected officials. And remember two years ago when we were talking about Danica Roem in Virginia, um, you know, making that historical move. And I think people are just, they're fed up with the way that it's been. They're fed up with only one kind of viewpoint being represented in, in both the national scene and in the local scene. And so they are being the change they want to see in the world. And I think that that's really exciting. And I hope, my hope is that more and more queer people, queer people of color step into their power and understand that we can, we can come into this and represent for ourselves and for our communities writ large. Totally agree with you there. Um, if you look at just what happened ever since 2016, right? Like we saw all the women coming out. Well, not all, literally all the women, but so many women coming out and running for office. And then 2018 happened. And now we're just seeing more and more participation. Uh, it's interesting that you say like that uh, your your response evoked um, understanding for me and other aspects of my life right now. Um, I'm thinking about a certain organizations that, um, you know, just like in general, you know, I'm not speaking about one. I'm saying um, there are different nonprofits all over the U.S. and world that operate in a certain way with large white membership. Um, society operates with large white membership. Yep. Um, and folks are looking and they're being very resistant to change, resistant to the talk of inclusion and equity, even in spaces where they say that they're inclusive and equitable. Um, it's really a test. It's really a fork in the road, a crossroads, if you will, um, for people to now walk the talk. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and the ones that are being promised a seat at the table are now cashing those checks. And it's amazing. Right. Yeah. And it, I think the most beautiful part is just like, this is momentum that is hundreds of years in the making. Like mm. girl, it was 18, That's right. 18 something Victoria Woodhull ran for president and then was like thrown in jail for it. Women couldn't even vote at the time. You know, Shirley Chisholm ran what, like a 1970, uh, 68, 1968. She was elected into Congress and then ran for president in like uh, 69, 70 something. Or, you know, like the first LGBTQ person elected into office, uh, Kathy Kozachenko from Ann Arbor, Michigan, was in 1972. And this momentum has just been chipping away. Oftentimes, women having to chip away at it, but every time it is being chipped away and it's, there's no stopping us. It's going to, we are only going, uh, politics is only going to get more queer, period. And less white, which we do love to see. Uh, <laughs> but I, all of this talk about running, um, it makes me tired because I don't run. Um, not in terms of politics. I'm just talking about from a, a weight gain perspective. Um, I'm really embrace the movement, honey. Yeah, yeah, I have to keep my <laughs> calories above three thousand and my physical activity below twenty steps a day. So let's take a break, and when we come back, we are going to take this episode home.
And with that, you all, our time together comes to a close. These United States might be anything but united these days, yet I'm holding out hope that over time, we might deliver on our promise of becoming a more perfect union. If you're not already subscribed to us, please check us out on your favorite podcast streaming platform as it's likely we're already there. And if you'd like to leave us a nice little review, we would love to see it. You can interact with us as well by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Life, by emailing thiscupoclife at gmail.com or leaving us a voicemail on Anchor. And last but certainly not least, a very special thank you to our patrons, Theodore, Homeground, Philip, Sean, Ray, Daryl, Tim Rell, Howard, Michael, Chris, Jonathan, and Goody Mom, all of whom help to support this Cupac life financially through their regular contributions. If you'd like to help build our community, consider becoming a patron for as little as $1 a month. But for now, it's time to sign off. Don't forget to wash your hands, wear a mask, social distance, vote every time that you can, and stay safe. And as always, I'm Carlos. I'm Ashley. I'm Jonathan. And this was This QPOC Life. Life.